So we are in the, uh, the homes of one of my favorite comedians, uh, and he's going to introduce himself and tell you a little bit more about our environment. Hi, I'm Josh Gondelman, and we're in my apartment that I share with my fiance and our dog in uh, Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and we've lived here about a year and a half, and maybe a little, a little more at this point, like a year and three quarters, which I guess... Probably not a super meaningful distinction <laughs> geologically, but um, it's been good. I've had like the good fortune since I've lived in New York to not move a lot. That's nice. Yeah, it's been really great. I moved, I I moved right into a place basically like I lived with uh, a woman I was dating when I moved here mm-hmm. with the idea that I would live there until I found a place for like about a month. Right. So I did. I I lived at her place for. I just, like, right around a month, maybe five weeks, Mm -hmm. but I was on the road for some of that, so it wasn't, you know, and so then I moved right away into this apartment with Boston people, actually, with, um, we're one Boston, we're Jason Marcus, and a dude named Justin Morgan, who's doing, like, sketch and solo shows now, but not really stand-up as much, um, and we moved into a place in Harlem, like, a 15-minute walk from where I'd been crashing. Oh, wow. And so... And then I lived there for like three and a half years, and then I've been here for almost uh, two. Wow. And so it's been really nice. Yeah, and this place, this is like the first place I've ever had, first place I've ever lived where we kind of, Maris and I moved in here together, mm-hmm. so we both lived separately, Yeah. and then moved in here together, and uh, it's the only place I've ever lived without like roommate roommates yeah like obviously there are two of us that live here but I, we, we joke and call we romance roommates oh, <laughs> so nice. yeah so but like we um and it's also the only place i've ever lived where like here's a list of things that we want in a dream and then we just like got them that's which awesome is nice. yeah it's so that's been really ex- it's really it's like nice to have a place that feels like home yeah like, I, we, you know the, the neighborhood is like a little too bustling and even the the building is like a little too like young finance professional it okay. feels like but our um the apartment itself is like very cozy and it's like kind of how we want we put up all the art we wanted and um there's lots of books and everything's it's comfy like yeah there are places good places to nap and That's places it. to <laughs> sit and have guests yeah so that's so that's kind of why I chose, and then we went to the the West, which is near our apartment. It's a little coffee shop, and uh, yeah. turns into a bar. But I've never like hung out there as a bar, um, and that's like my go to workplace, right? Um, to you know to go and bang out some emails or like do a little writing on a project, or um, so that's you know, even just like update my website calendar, and and it's very friendly, and I feel like I know the people that work there, so it's a uh, it's like a nice neighborhoody vibe, and that's like what I like the yeah. most. That's like my favorite. Uh, do you get a lot of people that are just like my apartment? A couple. So uh, Rohan did his apartment in Boston. Oh, cool. Uh, that was like a year and a half ago. He was like, oh, he still has a place in. Oh Boston. no 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 no, like, no 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 no. Rohan, <laughs> he lives in Brooklyn now. Yeah, or sort of. I mean, he's back in Boston all the time. Yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so a couple questions. What were some of the things on the list that you guys wanted? So we wanted dog friendly. We were, I was talking off mic about how when we moved in, um, my fiance girlfriend at the time <laughs> wanted a dog. So we made sure it was dog friendly. We wanted, um, the dream was, which we got, mm-hmm. which is amazing in New York. I feel like I'm bragging out of control. <laughs> we got a washer dryer. Oh, that apartment. is nice. Yeah. So that's very exciting. I'm trying to think of like the other must haves, but like dog friendly washer dryer, uh, dishwasher were like the big like conveniences that yeah. we wanted. Oh, and we wanted um a train that would go into Manhattan as well as living on the G. So because yeah. we didn't want to just live on the G train which only goes through Queens and Brooklyn. Right. And uh because Maris at the time worked in Brooklyn, I worked in Manhattan and still do. And yeah. so we wanted a train and actually I like living on the G people talk a lot of trash about it. They it's do. Like a much maligned <laughs> Brooklyn train. But it's kind of the only train that efficiently gets you from North Brooklyn to South Brooklyn without you yeah. having to like go into the city and transfer. Right. So I um I like that still, even mm. though we don't uh even though Maris doesn't need to get to work anymore. It's like helpful because I do a lot of shows in like uh at the venues 
in like Park Slope, Gowanus, yeah, yeah. Union Hall, and Bell House, and it's nice to not have to take like a long circuitous route. Right. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's those were I think the big requirements, and we we checked them all off. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just did uh, like a little shake it off. Yeah. And she's she's got a lot of like little moves. <laughs> hi 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 hi. Um, she's so she's very. Um, she doesn't kiss. Yeah. She's a nuzzler though. And she will <laughs> sneeze in your face. I don't know if other dogs do that. I've never had dogs before, but busy will, if she wants attention from you, she'll just climb up on your, like on your lap or on your chest. If you're lying down and then look, it'll look like she's about to lick your face like affectionately. And then she'll just sneeze right at you. It's so gross. And I love, she's just such a sassy little monster. And I love it. This is a terribly cute dog. Oh, yeah. She's so cute. And, like, so, like, just loves getting her belly rubbed and stretching out. And, like, she's, it's so funny. I think everybody with a dog says this, but, like, about if they sleep in bed. But she sleeps in bed with us, and she's 25 pounds, but takes up, like, a person's worth of room. Because she's not, like, I'm, if something is or someone is in bed with me, I, my body instinctively like curls to make space for it. Yeah. And busy, uh, does not have that instinct. <laughs> so she just like takes up the space she's going to take up. Nice. Yeah. She's just like a dude on the subway, like <laughs> spreading out, <laughs> taking what she needs. Nice. Yeah. She's the best. The, the noises here are great. Oh yeah. Very snort, snorty, very grunty. <laughs> just, she's so silly. Um, and someone told me that pugs like do things like that for attention. Like they know that people like when they like, sometimes she'll be on a different, we have two little love seats instead of a big couch. And if she is sitting on one and we're on the other and she wants us to, she'll like kind of flop onto her back (laughs) and just kind of like splay out. Like they call it clowning Ah. and she just like is silly for attention, which I like, I relate to very much. So wait, when we were at the coffee shop, uh, the the woman there was like, "I'm in love with you. Everything you do is the oh. best." Like, like how often do you get like that sort no, of adulation? So, so we know that never. <laughs> we know each other. Yeah. She's like really great. She's one of the sweetest people that I you know just have encountered like in Brooklyn or anywhere. Like just as like a neighborhood person, and mm-hmm. she. Um, works at the coffee shop and she's in this amazing band called Charlie Bliss. And so we just like chat cause I'm, I'm in there a couple times a week. Usually, uh, I don't usually go there before I go to work, but mm-hmm. on Mondays and Tuesdays when I don't have to go in, nice. um, cause I work Wednesday through Sunday when I'm working, <laughs> um, on those other days I will, you know, I'll stop in and get coffee there and chat. And so we know each other a little bit and we traded, I gave her my, stand-up album, the new one, which is on cassette. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, called Physical Whisper. And then she gave me a seven-inch that her band put out. And I don't have a, a, a record player. Right. So I downloaded it, right? Or found on Bandcamp first, then downloaded it. And it's, like, really, really good. They're so good. Nice. They have this kind of, like, 90s... Uh, my uh, Maris described them as very, like, letters to Cleo. Okay. And so they're just, like, awesome kind of super catchy but not but like singular song you know sometimes you hear a band and it's like catchy like any song could be catchy yeah and it's it's not that it has like a little grit to it and like the it's it's not a super clean sound it, it's mm. just like but the songs are all great okay and she's a really great singer and I think plays guitar too nice. so it's just like it's so nice to have that kind of like oh cool another creative person and we, you know, we know each other um, just from, like, seeing each other in the neighborhood. It's really nice. Yeah. And, and I, I, like, value that a lot. And I feel like w- my trepidation about moving to New York is, like, you don't... I didn't think you would, I would get things like that. Yeah. You know, I was worried, like, among other things, that you don't get to feel like you have... there are You're a regular anywhere or that you have... Um, like familiar faces you see around mm-hmm. and because I lived in Alston and Somerville and I kind of feel like you're you have like local haunts there. yeah and when I visited New York in the past it always felt just like um 
kind of like vast and anonymous. Right. And so it's like really, I'm very grateful and very relieved to have little <laughs> things like that. Yeah. So you moved to New York how many years ago? Um, like five and a half. Oh, nice. I moved in August. I left my apartment in Boston July 31st of 2011 <laughs> and then showed up in New York. I think we got here right at like midnight. So it was like right on the July, August right? order. Yeah. Man, how, what kind of pushed you to make that transition? I was, uh, I'd been, I'd been living, living in the Boston area my whole life and I've been doing comedy in the Boston area, you know, in and around the city since, um, 2004. Mm. So it's been a long time. Was that true? Yeah. 2004. Mm. So it had been a long time and I felt like I'd kind of accomplished all the things that I could there Mm -hmm. and was getting a little, um complacent and a little like a little lack of ambition but at the same time I had uh just done I had like a good showing in a festival the year before mm-hmm. the Laughing Skull Festival in Atlanta which kind of let me go out on the road a little more yeah. and it seemed like I was in this like I wasn't going to get better as a comic I wasn't going to make my career better mm-hmm. and I you know and I wasn't going to grow if I stayed put right and so I, and I was, I'd started dating someone who lived in New York. Yeah. So like, you know, it just felt like on every front, I'm not like a big believer in signs. Right. But I do feel like, oh, if I, this is an opportunity, mm-hmm. like everything in my life is lining up. I was in a, you know, a almost two year relationship in Boston that had ended. And I think like if that had continued, if we had kept seeing each other, it was going to be the kind of thing where it's like, okay, let's put down roots and, yeah. you know, this is where we're going to be. And so I felt like if I wanted to, like, continue having a, an evolving comedy career and an evol- evolving skill set in comedy, mm-hmm. I should try to leave, at least for a period of time, and see, right. like, how that worked out. And uh, so I, I gave it a shot, and I've been here for a while, and I it's, uh, it's going pretty well, I think. Yeah. I feel happy with my own personal growth as well as my um, professional growth. Nice. Mm-hmm. So uh, the professional growth, uh, you can certainly speak to that. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of people who listen to this like know you and like you oh, well, that's uh, already. Uh, you. But what are some of the personal growth things that you wanted to do that you achieved here? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I just, I, I think I'm... Um, an ongoing project is like work-life balance, which is a hack thing to say, <laughs> like a hack truth about your life. But I'm a person who like fills time with little work projects uh-huh. and stand up especially. Like I do stand up to put off other things. Okay. In addition to because I like it and because it's my job. Right. But it's like one of those things where it's like um, productive procrastination, uh-huh. and so I'm trying to do less of that to like work on things that are fulfilling and that I'll get something out of instead of like, well, I didn't have any spots. So someone asked me to do a spot and I said yes, even though I didn't have new stuff to work on. Yeah. I wasn't going to get a tape out of it. It wasn't a show that I like, that was going to be particularly good. You know, yeah. so it's, I'm trying to, I know this sounds professional. Like that's the problem, right? As you said, <laughs> personal, yeah, yeah. personal development. I'm talking about professional stuff, but I, I mean it in that I'm like trying to make more space in my life to be a person and yeah. like read books and like watch TV shows that I will enjoy. And like specifically to spend time with my fiance and like, you know, I think planning a wedding is, it's like a big personal project. Yeah. And I'm kind of proud She's been great. Mm-hmm. I, I know I she's been the driving force behind a lot of like the decisions we made, but also um she I, I feel like, oh, I'm part of this. Yeah. And and it feels good to like be a partner. Yeah. To like we have a dog. And I, I like didn't know if I would be personally like Oh, that's like a lot of responsibility. Like you say to a kid, right? Yeah. But it was also like I've never had a pet and I, I don't like to be um to like Put, to add things to my life that are going to make it so I can't do whatever I want all the time. Right. And But, like, it's been really great to have this little, <laughs> like, this little smushy goober and, uh, and to, like, co-care for this, like, living thing. Right. And to, like, live together and maintain this space together and, like, 
I just feel like I'm a better partner and I know what I want more from other people and I like and I've been healthier about like I'm in a relationship that's like super functional and really mutually uh, supportive and uplifting which you know a lot of the relationships I've been in in the past have been but Mm -hmm. it's also in addition like the little things line up that I think I would always end up um, breaking up over stuff that it's like you, it wouldn't be like a giant fight a lot right. of the time. It would just be like, after a year and a half, you'd be like, or I, one of us would go like, oh, it just doesn't fit. Yeah. It's like, you know how sometimes you have two pieces of a jigsaw puzzle that look like they fit together? Right. And you kind of squeeze them together, and then you just go like, oh, no, that yeah. goes somewhere else. Yeah. And that's, that's like my best visual metaphor for it. Nice. And like functional metaphors. Like I was in several relationships with like, excellent people that we had a lot in common like part of the same puzzle yeah but like <laughs> certainly didn't fit together in the long term and i think it's it's worked out that we all um for everyone i think yeah. that we're in different places nice. so i and so i'm in a relationship that's like that i was able to recognize like what i needed and what i had to step up and like provide for a partner mm-hmm. so that's our, i think a really good personal development too yeah that's that's really strong uh follow-up question please um so you guys are getting married yeah like what are some of the things around the wedding itself that you're excited about oh man so in addition to the wedding itself we're gonna have a big party for all the friends that are invited and all the friends that aren't invited um like a couple months before and just like have karaoke and buy everybody drinks and have pizza and um and I think it'll just be like a real nice time so that's like my biggest excitement is just to see all our friends I'm excited to be married (laughs) yeah I think that's like the other big thing I think that'll be like great I'm I'm like really looking forward to that and um other wedding things I'm looking forward to I got a pair of nice sneakers that I'm gonna wear at the reception okay that match Maris's wedding dress okay and so I think that'll be fun um but like you know the wedding itself I think will be nice uh-huh. uh but I don't I don't know what to everybody says it goes by every person I've talked to is like Make sure you slow down and appreciate it because it goes by so fast. Like your own wedding. You know, other people's weddings feel like they take all day. Yeah. Because they do. <laughs> and then your own wedding just like kind of flies by Ooh. is what I've been told. And uh, yeah, that, that's like the... I'm just kind of looking forward to um, seeing a lot of people that I love in one place and and saying nice things about Maris in front of people. So that's nice. I mean, I do that a lot, honestly. <laughs> I have a lot of stand-up about how much I like my fiancé. Yeah. And so that feels good to do. So this will be that, but like in an intimate setting. Very cool. And did you always see yourself getting married, like even when you were much younger? No. I like never... I don't think well about the future in general. Okay. I'm like a bad planner, <laughs> and I don't take on big projects well. So like... I never, I wasn't, I wasn't one of those guys that's like, you can't tame this wild stallion or whatever, <laughs> or, or like, or like marriage is a, a garbage institution that symbolizes the transfer of a woman as property. Like whatever people think about their own life is fine. Um, but I just never had like a real strong vision Ooh. of what I wanted. So I'm, I was always open to this, yeah. um, but I don't. Uh, but I think both of us kind of have like an evolving view of what marriage is. Right. And not like evolve view, but like a <laughs> change, you know, like we want to get out of it from what, what we want from it. Yeah. And um, it's uh, so, so it doesn't, there's no like set idea of like we're going to get married, then we will uh, buy property, then we will have a child, and then <laughs> we will rear that child until they move out. And then save for retirement and move to Florida. Like, that's not... We don't have, like, a definite path for that. I think we just, like, very much love each other and want to kind of support each other on, you know, like, be together and, like, have adventures together. Right. And then also support each other professionally and, like, creatively. I think that's really... 
so I'm, those are the kind of things that I knew I always wanted from relationships. And, and so I think we can have that from being married. Nice. Yeah. Would you say that a lot, I ask this because like very few of my friends are married. Mm -hmm. Would you say that a lot of your friends here in New York are married? Yeah. I think a lot of my friends at work are, and a a bunch of stand-up friends, a bunch of married stand-up friends. And then Maris has a lot of friends that are, like I think all her old friends pretty much are. Or are getting married, and then a lot of her professional friends are. I think I have a bunch of single friends. It's not like everyone I know is married or mm-hmm. part of like a super long term couple, mm-hmm. but I definitely a lot of friends. Yeah. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah. And how like I say this also as a person who like when I grew up, a lot of the people that I knew had uh, single parents. Mm-hmm. So like, how did you develop your idea? Because your idea seems really nice of what marriage is. How did yeah. that idea develop? Um, I guess I well, I had parent. My parents were are married. Um, I almost said were, and then I was like, well, still are. Um, and they, they're like very, they're, they're, I almost said what I, my first impulse was to say very functional, which like doesn't do justice to their relationship. But I mean that as like a high compliment of like not, they like really work together and they complement each other really well. Like they're not the same person you know sometimes people are in a relationship and you're just like you two are so the same (laughs) I can't believe you have the same mannerisms and my parents don't but they like complement each other really well and like fill in um gaps for each other and it's like which I think is like a paraphrasing of Rocky but like (laughs) um and so I I had a very healthy model to go on and then like I have friends I had, you know, from doing comedy, in, for from when I started really young, I had older married friends that had, like, great relationships and, like, got what they needed out of marriages. Like, Erin Judge um, and her husband have, like, a really functional marriage and really, like functional in that it works and doesn't feel like it's constantly falling apart and needs yeah. work but also it's like really warm and lovely and like emotionally nourishing so I've had nice. friends like that for a long time that that were like and Erin's not that much older she's a couple of years older but like I started super young in Boston right. so I had like I was in college and she was like a couple of years out of college yeah. when, I, when we met so it's um seeing that and also seeing like what people people in bad relationships and going like oh it doesn't have seeing the contrast between good and bad and going like oh it doesn't have to be like that right it doesn't have to be like like my wife (laughs) like always nagging or like my idiot husband like it doesn't have to be family guy yeah you know (laughs) I was like, that sounds like every sitcom. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't have to be like, Deborah. <laughs> like, everybody loves Raymond. Yeah. Just, like, hating each other and, and, like, staying together because, like, you have kids. And, right. And you feel like it's an obligation. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, please. Drink. I don't I mean uh, to, like, keep you talking so much. No, don't no, no. I'm sorry to yammer and yammer. No, no. That's, that's the whole point. Uh, so, can you... How old were you when you did start stand-up? I was 19. Oh, man. I started between... Really between... I did, like, one show on campus my freshman year, and then I started doing open mics, and it, mostly open mics in the city the summer between freshman and sophomore year. Mm-hmm. So um, I was doing improv on campus, and then I started doing sketch... I mean, sorry, stand-up off campus. And then by junior year, I was also doing sketch on campus. So it was, like, a lot of, a lot of comedy stuff. And then kind of doing school work yeah. and doing, you know, doing fine at it. But like, I kind of paying attention. I was like, I'm, I'm a big like auditory learner. Uh-huh. So I would do a lot of like going to class, paying attention, taking good notes. Right. And then kind of like faking my way through the readings. Okay. You know, like a lot of skimming, yeah. a lot of stuff like that, but, but getting a lot out of it and get certainly getting enough in to like, do fine in classes. Right. But I, I was like not, my homework became like comedy stuff. Okay. Yeah. So I started when I was 19 and then I think by the time I was like 20 was getting like occasional paid gigs here and there Mm -hmm. around New England and you know, people 
who would need, hey, can can you do you know anyone who can do a clean ten to fifteen minutes at the top right. of the show? And I would get a lot of calls for stuff like that. Nice. Yeah. Um, so that's when I started. Okay. Yeah. So how did that like? I started after I think you had already left. Uh, yeah, Boston. I think so. Yeah, I didn't know if you started or just had moved to Boston after I left. But when did you start? I started in two thousand thirteen. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. You, well, that's amazing. You're so funny. Oh, well, thank you, thank you very much. You're that welcome. feels really nice. Um, how did you come to host? I think you hosted Salios. Yeah. Okay. So that was. Um, so that started like right after I started stand up, and Dan Hershon, who is really really funny and works as like, excuse me, a filmmaker and editor now, and used to do stand up and uh, and stopped doing stand up to focus on this other like creative work. Right. He's like wonder, just a wonderful dude and so funny, and uh, he hosted it for years, and then he and Mike Kaplan hosted it together for a long time, and Mike. Um, people might know from his Netflix special and his Comedy Central but he's so funny and such a great comic and they co-hosted for a while and then Dan moved to New York in either 2006 or 2007 Mm -hmm. and then Mike hosted for another year or two and then I would guest host for him when he would go out on the road and then he moved to New York in 2008. And so I hosted this open mic for like three years. Okay. And it just kind of got handed down. And coincidentally, Mike and Dan had gone to college where I went to college. But like, Dan and I overlapped. Mike and I didn't. But right. we only knew each other through stand-up. Nice. So it was like very, like a very um, kind of cozy, it like passed down through the family. And Sean Carter is like a guy that I've known for a long time. Yeah. And I passed it on to him when <laughs> I left. Just because he was interested in it and like good at producing things and yeah. like um and funny and seem to like want the uh, opportunity to like do a lot of new stuff in a room that's like a little rough that you kind of have to like win over and fight with a little yeah. bit um so i and he seemed like a responsible but funny person to take that over Nice. So yeah, but I hosted that open mic for like three years and it really helped me get super comfortable on stage. Okay. And just like be fine with silence mm. and and have the courage. I think one thing that Kaplan, Mike, Mike does uh, that I really admire is he has the courage of being like, or courage is like a little strong, <laughs> but he has the like confidence to go like, I had this thought and I think it's funny, so it's worth trying. Yeah. And, and that I kind of learned that there of like, what are what's the worst that can happen if right. you do a thing that's like not great yet? Yeah. Um, and so that's that was like a really great thing, and that's in Somerville, Massachusetts, and uh, in Union Square, which yeah. is like, I like the Union Square. No public transportation, so people really had to like you had to want to go there, park, yeah. yeah, or you had to like walk a mile or take <laughs> take a bunch of buses, yeah. So it was like not a convenient place, but it was it was pretty cool, yeah. and I, I'm very happy that I got to do that. I really like Union Square. In fact, that's the first mic that I went to regularly. Sally's? So, yeah. Oh, great. Uh, so I, I started referring to Sean Carter as my comedy dad. Oh. Uh, because I'd be like, Dad, what do I do about this thing? That's or like, so nice. That sort of thing. So, like, I guess you're kind of my grandfather. Oh, yeah. I'm a comedy grandpa. Yay. That's, that's how long I've been doing stand-up <laughs> and how bald I am. Um, yeah, what's that cafe that's there around the corner, too? Uh, block 11? Block 11. Block 11 so good. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And then there's those little restaurants. I don't even know if they're still there, but like on, shoot, what is it? I'm, I'm like forgetting the street names, but I can picture it. There's the one that you kind of go downstairs and there's a music venue in the back. Ooh. I want to say like Empire or something, but that's not it. The name might have changed. There's because uh, there used to be, you could go downstairs and there was like... There was a stand-up show downstairs, and then they tried to do a stand-up show upstairs. Oh, interesting. And then, it, so it was, it could have been PA's Lounge? No, not PA's, not, not like around one. the corner on whatever that other street is that, that goes out to the highway and Target. And, oh, yeah. And the, there's like a couple really cool bars with like, kind of that like, oh, you're like we have a fancy burger. <laughs> and like, um, nice. Yeah, but I, I love that neighborhood. I mean, I love all the little Somerville squares, mm. Inman Square, and I lived in, um, Teal Square, which is, like, just outside Davis, like, where Tufts is. Yeah. I, like, I really loved it there. And I would... Davis Square is, like, 
maybe my favorite neighborhood. In the world? Yeah. Like, I just love it. And I record, I mean, I recorded my album there and I, um, and Amos Taqueria is there and Diesel, like the coffee shop. And so like, I just, and there's a little, um, I'm just plugging local New England businesses (laughs) now. Uh, Magpie around the corner is like, there's, it's like a little gifty store where they have like little crafty stuff. And so I go in there. Usually this year I didn't get to. Mm. I bet they have a website though. Um, (laughs) Where I would just go in and, like, buy one of my sister. My sister, her birthday is, like, right... This year was inside Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. So I'd buy, like, one of her holiday presents there. And nice. It's just great. And I, I love it. And it's, like, scholarly, but also towny. Yeah. And, which is, like, my favorite combo. That's what I love about Boston, is that there's, like, this real... The Venn diagram <laughs> in neighborhoods of, like college kids or like recent graduates who are kind of putting down roots or like figuring their lives out right and then just people who've lived in that neighborhood for like 30 years and there's like the sligo right yeah that's same, what i was thinking the, i was like sligo like is like towniest, saloon. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly and saloon is like the fanciest <laughs> and like and there's it's like towny bar college bar uh kind of like young professional bar like all on that row there right and it's like Oh, what a cool vibe of people like kind of mixed in. I hope it stays that way without tipping too much. Yeah. You know, towards like, well, if we charge um, fourteen dollars for a cocktail, our overhead is the same, but our uh, our income is so much higher. So right. like, get out of here, a place that sells three dollar Bud Lights. Yeah. Uh, I hope they don't get Sligos, but they did. Um, the dollar store, like I, so yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I moved and then I, I came, I was back for New Year's Eve, and the dollar store is gone. That's, oh, wow. that's gone. And then the, there was a Dunkin' Donuts and I think they've mm-hmm. made like a newer, fancier Dunkin' Donuts with like a fancy grocery Dunkin store. Donuts, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then there's also like, uh, like a local, um, like a produce, like meats and stuff. McKinnon's. Yeah, McKinnon's. Cheapest meats and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And my, my fr- I think my friend that I used to teach with like dated someone whose family were, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, that's a part of the community. Right. Which is great. And I love that. And I feel, again, kind of like like going back, is like, I feel like I have a little bit of that neighborhood community in Brooklyn now. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, like, comedy gives me a really nice sense of community. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really, like, appreciate and value that aspect of it, of doing stand-up and, like, being... I was talking with um, some friends. Andrew, my friend Andrew Mayer, um, who's from lives in Massachusetts, from Massachusetts, lives in Boston. Um, we did a bunch of shows together in Vermont over New Year's, and our friend, uh, my friend Jonathan Morvey was there, was in Burlington, coincidentally, and came and hung out and did spots and, like, spent New Year's doing spots. Nice. And we were talking about how, like, when you're visiting family or when you're traveling for, a, like, a maybe a day job or for fun, being at a comedy club is, like, it's like an embassy where you kind of like know what your experience is going to, for a comedian, you yeah. know what your experience is going to be like. You, you kind of know the rules. Maybe you can do a spot. Maybe you can't, but like you kind of get the, um, there's like a set of rules. It, yeah. And I feel that way about Dunkin' Donuts too. It's like my <laughs> New England embassy, wherever I am, right? Uh, where it's like, like it's a big business, right? So it's not like, a hometown it's not like oh my local coffee shop but you like know what the coffee is going to taste like and it tastes like a specific thing that Mm. I have like positive memories of like my dad when I was a kid (laughs) that's where we would stop you know like we're not we would when we'd be driving places they would stop for Dunkin Donuts coffee so it's like it feels like a part of my childhood even though it's like they're probably a billion and a half dollar (laughs) business or something Um, but that's like what a comedy club is to me it's like you go in there and you're like okay I, I know how this works. Like, right. you see the seams, and you see the, um, you're like, oh, here are the little variations, but here's also how, uh, why it's familiar, too. Yeah. And I like that a lot. Like, it's, it, it's like a nice experience. And I, New Year's night, mm-hmm. I had, I just hung out, and like, saw a bunch of friends, and nobody was drinking, you know, it wasn't like debauchery, yeah. but I was at a club in the city, and just hanging out and catching up with friends uh, between spots and everyone would kind of like leave to go on stage or go around the corner to the other room and uh, and do their spots and just like hung out and were bullshitting around. And yeah. I, it's like such a nice uh, way to congregate. And, and that's partly because like that's how I became an adult. Right. That's like how I socialize a lot of the time. And, and 
So, like, at shows, and you get the idea of, like, hanging out with comics and, like, people that are around comics a lot. Like, um, you know, there, there's the idea of, like, it's before a show, you're chatting, and then yeah. someone might just, like, walk away and, like, look into the room and come back. Or, like, you know, have a set, come off, have, like, a different energy from, like, just coming off stage. Right. And, like, get used to settling into just talking to people. And it's, like, all very familiar and, um, and... and I like that way of socializing and yeah. I like to be around people that like know that, you know, like know how to do that. Right. Um, cause sometimes, you know, you, you go to a show and there's a friend or like a, or a stranger that comes up to talk to you after the show and they want to ask you like, especially a stranger, yeah. they'll be like, they'll ask you the same set of questions that you get after every show right. or they'll tell you the same story that you hear after every show. <laughs> and it's like, I just want to, like, talk to someone else who just did this. Yes. And we can, like, talk about, like, how's the crowd? What are you doing later? Where are you working next week? Right. Uh, do, um, where's, uh, how are you, you know what I mean? Like, people that you know and that you have that shorthand with. Yeah. Of, like, knowing what the relevant points of the evening are to you. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because the, the, what's relevant about a comedy show to a comedian isn't always what's relevant to an audience member. Right. How long did it take you to develop that? So, like... A, be able to recognize that shorthand, and B, to just develop those relationships with other people so that you both were in Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. There are, like, a few specific moments where, um, like, my my friend Tom Dustin, who's a comedian, (laughs) a national comedian, but lives in in Boston, he, the first time I ever, like, felt like I was part of it, which he was, like, kind of being, like... For fun. He was doing kind of like a, a funny bit, but he goes, hey, uh, you're a comic, right? And I was really new. I was like a few months in. Yeah. He goes, you're a comic, right? And I'm sitting in the back at Dick Doherty's Beantown Comedy Vault, which is no longer in existence. Um, but it's in a, the, the green room is in a bank vault, essentially, yes. with the, the vault door kind of like open, like a jar, so that you can get in and out and the servers can go in and out to the audience. But like there's, a, it's like a barrier. And so... He's, we're in the vault and I'm sitting and he goes, you're a comic, right? And I go, yeah. And he goes, then give me a pen. <laughs> and I had a pen and yeah. gave it to him. And it's just like, oh, that's like what we do. <laughs> and so that was like really fun. And he's since been like, yeah, man, I can't believe I was only, I'm such a dick. But it's like, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't being a dick. It yeah. was like kind of like a gentle hazing of like, like he wasn't bullying me into getting yeah. a pen. It was like, I recognize that that you know enough about this, like what we're doing here, that you have this like tool of the trade. Yeah. Uh, and, and that like really made me feel like, oh, well, this guy recognizes me and he's like a working comedian. Yeah. And then um, something that years, like right after I moved to New York, I was on the road and I was auditioning for the Funny Bone chain. Mm-hmm. There's like a national chain um, of several comedy clubs. And the first one I worked was in Hartford, that's mm-hmm. the one, like, Boston people go down there to work. Yeah. You know, an MC or, like, sometimes headline or feature on an off night. And uh, th- I went down, I went, you audition in Columbus for the national chain. Okay. So I was on my way out to do, like, a couple weekends in the, in the Midwest, and I got an audition in Columbus. And um, uh, Nikki Glazer mm-hmm. was featuring at the time. So this is, like, I've been in for a long time with several years at that point this was like I was seven years in comedy I just moved to New York mm-hmm. and um Nikki was featuring and I didn't had booked a hotel and uh busy what are you doing <laughs> is she on the yeah. is she on the cord yeah. okay. um, sorry, sorry, sorry. and she so she's featuring I had had booked a hotel she was like well don't pay money you know you're you didn't make a lot of money on the show like just stay at the condo where they're putting me up I was like oh thanks so we we'd maybe met once before yeah. but this was the first time we'd ever really like talked so we hung out at the club for like a couple hours just like hanging out and talking and then I slept on the couch in the condo and we stayed up late we had a lot of mutual friends and had nice. nothing else to do but like just you know just like kick it and bullshit until like two in the morning and she was dating a friend of mine at the time and we just knew a lot of the same people and uh, and that was really like kind and she said something like we were talking about some comedian and I forget exactly the context but she was like yeah you know like I think what people have to consider is um, we're co-workers forever yeah like the people that not necessarily the people that you 
start start with because right. a lot of other people stop doing it but like once you're working yeah. and once you're like once you get a job or once you are on the road um that's like that's like your coworkers yeah. and colleagues even you know even if you're not working together your colleagues and and that lasts a long time and that like really made an impression yeah. on me like that just that perspective of like oh yeah these it's not just like you see this guy at a show or like she uh, you opened for her right. at wherever but it was like oh we're where we work it's a career yeah. and, pe- and people are going to stick around right it's not like Oh, this guy is a jerk, but like I'll, I'll I'm gonna leave. It's not like a high school bully. Like yeah. if you don't get along with someone, it's not like you leave them behind and you're like, oh, I hope that you get your high school girlfriend pregnant at age 19 <laughs> and never make anything of yourself. You right. know? And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna Bruce Springsteen my way out of here. <laughs> it's like oh these if if there's somebody you don't get along with, you have to figure out how to professionally do that. Yeah. Because that's like because we're all we're in it for the long haul at this yeah. point. Um, I know very little about Bruce Springsteen. What, is, what does it mean to Bruce Springsteen? Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, he just does like a lot of songs about like leaving places, okay. <laughs> like leaving your hometown, especially on Born to Run. It's like a lot of songs about like getting on your motorcycle and leaving town or getting in, get, hey, Mary, get in my car or, and, uh, and we're going to go to a better place and live okay. a better life. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. I was like, I'm just imagining him like walking away, like that's like just because I think one of the album covers is just his butt. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The like, Born in the USA album somewhere. cover. Okay. Yeah, cool. Nice. Nope, I understand. But, but yeah, it's a lot of like, especially Born to Run. Like one of my dominant impressions of Springsteen. And I, I love Springsteen, but one of my dominant like Springsteen motifs in my mind, at mm-hmm. least, is like leaving your hometown. Whereas like I feel like um, John Mellencamp. Is or and Billy Joel are like mm-hmm. about staying in your hometown. Interesting. Yeah, like I mean, Billy Joel has that song "Moving Out," right? Like, do you know you know what I'm talking about? I don't. That, that's okay. It's like um, suburban white person music. <laughs> okay, I, like, I I I don't really know much nope, Billy Joel. I understand. Or, uh, Billy, yeah. Billy Joel has a song called "Moving Out," and it's like oh, I'm moving out of your place, and it's like yeah, but you probably moved like four blocks. Yeah. Huh. Okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I have friends who like almost exclusively listen to, like, 80s, 90s, Springsteen, uh, and then some, like, hair metal. Mm-hmm. It's just this thing that, like, I've touched, like, the edges of, mm-hmm. but don't know the center of it all. Totally. Yeah. And, you like, you get the general vibe, but not the specifics. Yes, yes. Yeah. Like, I can see, like, I'm like, yeah, I can see Springsteen doing that, but I just don't, I couldn't reference a song yeah, when he yeah, talks yeah. about that. No, yeah. I totally understand. Um... Yeah, I'm, I, like, have a great affection for kind of, like, big anthemic rock songs. <laughs> um, the Hold Steady is another band that has, like, a lot about, like... There's a song called... And I felt it, real like, lately. I had, like, a really nice... I just kind of did my first, like, run of headlining... Sh- not the first shows I've ever headlined, mm-hmm. but the first, like, okay, I'm going to be on the road seven weeks in a row. Oh, wow. And headline a bunch of different cities and uh so for the first time like putting that all together and kind of making it into a tour and then um and then not be and then being off the road for a while when yeah. I go back to the office um for my writing job and uh so I just kind of put that together and it was really like the shows are really lovely and there I had a blast um but I had I saw a lot of people from different times in my life like old old friends from comedy old friends from high school college friends and Awesome. Yeah. You know, people coming to shows or just catching up with people in, in cities where I visited. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this lyric, this album, uh, Stay Positive by The okay. Hold Steady, which is a great title, I thought. Yeah. And they, um, the first lyric of the song is, uh, oh, the first lyric of the first verse, I think it starts with the chorus, is, I've got a lot of old friends and they're getting back in touch, and it's a pretty good feeling. Yeah, it feels pretty good. And it, like, doesn't even rhyme, <laughs> yeah. but it just, like, makes me feel really great. And yeah. that's, like, a nice... I, I try to be very appreciative of, like, where I'm coming from. Yeah. And, because I, I have, like, a very nice... Um, I have, like, a very supportive upbringing, and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of good old friends. And even if we're not close, it's, like, nice to see those people. Like, my... I went to my 10th high school reunion a few years ago and it wasn't, um, it was slightly weird. Mm-hmm. 
because you're in a room with people that you haven't seen in a long time. But it wasn't, I wasn't dreading it and it wasn't bad. It was just like, oh, cool. This is great. Yeah. Like, I want to hear how these people are doing. Right. um, So I, I try not to like over, like I love the Springsteen where people are like, get, get in your car and forge the life you want somewhere. (laughs) But I'm also not like, oh, I still was miserable and. Everybody kicked me out. Like, I did a pretty good time. Yeah. It was great. And, and so it's nice to see most of those people. That's awesome. Yeah. So what are some of the cities that you went to? Oh, my gosh. Um, I did, I think it was like 14 cities. Oh, wow. Over seven weeks. I did Toronto, Boston, um, Chapel Hill, Asheville, and Charlotte in North Carolina. Then the next week I did three little cities in Virginia, Leesburg, Lorton, and Fredericksburg, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Then the week after that, I did, um, I think I'm getting these all. I, I did, or I did Bethlehem, Pennsylvania on that week. Mm-hmm. Then the week after that, I did um, uh, Austin, Oklahoma City, uh, Minneapolis. And then I did a Christmas Eve show in Philly. And then I did Burlington, Vermont. And then, and that was the bulk of it. Okay. And I'm doing um, a... I've got, like, something in Long Island this weekend. Yes. I'm doing San Francisco Sketchfest at the end of the month, which I'm really excited about. I'm doing two co-headlining shows with Rhea Butcher, who's oh, awesome. Nice. Yeah. And then, um, and I'm doing, in Brooklyn, I'm doing a, uh, like, kind of tour-ending show uh, at Bell House in, nice. on the January 22nd. So I'm like, and so it's been, and that's kind of like the hometown one, and I am hopefully have enough new stuff that people who have seen me in the past year are, like, are not just, like, yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> Got and it. I think I've been writing a bunch. I tried to have a new... The album came out in March, mm-hmm. but I recorded it in December. So my goal was, because it was basically a year from the time I recorded it to the time right. it went out, to have like 20-ish, new, 15 to 20 new minutes right. that I could do. And and then do a little bit of super old stuff like that maybe people hadn't heard if they came to me with this album. You know, came yeah, yeah. came into like knowing my stuff with this album. And so I have like, you know, a bunch of the stuff I have about teaching preschool that nice. I, I still do, but it's, it's old and I, um, don't do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a couple of things from the album that I like nice. that maybe I hadn't done. Oh, chubs. She, um, so there are these two greyhounds, biz. There are these two greyhounds that live next door and we call them the frenemies because she loves to like sniff at them and see them in person but when she hears that they're going out for a walk, she gets, like, very agitated. <laughs> and, like, I don't think she wants to play. She doesn't play, first yeah. of all. And you can see she's not, like, running over to greet yeah. them. She's just, like, barking at them from her. She's sitting on a pillow barking at them. <laughs> Business. You stop that. What a brat. Stop bratting. But she's, like... I like the little ones. Like the... Uh, yeah. Or, uh, hey, come on. What are you guys doing? Yeah, I'm making fun of you. She's looking over at me. Business. Business gondola and You. Shush up, you smushy little buff. What are you doing? Uh, so what are, what's like your favorite place to perform? Oh, man. So, I love going back to Boston. Um, Toronto is amazing. There's this tiny little club there called Comedy Bar, and I, I've gone the last two years, and it's just been, like, really fun. The guy that runs it is, like, really, um, really enthusiastic about the people he brings through and really does a really nice job, and it's, there's not, it's, like, one of those cities where there's, like, a cool, like, it's a big city, but there's also, like, a small-town arts community vibe. Okay. Where, like, when when he brings in someone that he's excited about... And they don't... I don't think they run national shows every week, or international, I guess. Yeah. They don't, a lot of it is, like, Toronto comedy... Like, almost like the comedy studio in Boston. Okay. Where it's, like, local showcases or produced shows. Yeah. And by local comics and theme shows and stuff. So it's... Um, so when he brings in people, it's someone he really wants there. Right. And he'll, he'll he sells it really hard to like the local press. Oh, and, nice. Like, it's the it's a small enough city where like if you get a good review in the local arts mag, uh, or the arts section, like a web a local arts website, like you get a bump of people coming over the weekend because nice. they're like, oh, cool. Um, you know, we're like in certain cities are so big, it like 
doesn't matter what press you do. Right. Like, nobody cares. <laughs> um, so it's, so that's been really great. That's like become one of my favorite places. Um, Austin is like the most fun city in America. Okay. So I love to do shows there and I've had great shows there. Their comedy club there is really great. And I couldn't make the scheduling work there this time. So I did a little improv theater and just mm-hmm. like, this called the new movement. That was really fun. And there's a lot of like great comics working there. Same with Minneapolis. There's like independent rooms, with like great local comics. And, um, so it's really fun. Chapel Hill was maybe the best show of this tour. Really? Yeah. It was just a, it was an improv theater called DSI theater. And, uh, it was it's like 130 seats and mm-hmm. somehow it, it like sold out and just like a really warm, happy to be there crowd. Yeah. And so that was, it was really nice. It's kind of the first time I've ever been on the road and been places where like people were there to see me and not every place, you know, like I did, um, Charlotte and there were a couple people that came to see yeah. me and then a bunch of random people and then like a lot of empty seats and it was still a really fun show. Yeah. But like Chapel Hill was like people came to see me and it sold out and it was like what a cool experience. I'm really like delighted by that. And like <laughs> I don't mean to sound braggy. I'm just like and I don't mean to sound humble braggy. Wow, it's so, you know, it's so overwhelmed. but it's like a really cool thing from having done a lot of stand up for years and either going and maybe people are there on someone else's draw, right? right? Like you're there opening for someone and maybe it's a good match and maybe it's not. So you kind of have to like find the common ground with that audience or you're just going headlining a show or featuring a show at a show and people are, oh, she's snoring so loud now. <laughs> um, and people are there just because like they had free tickets yeah. or um, they just always go to that club right. the first Friday of every month and like stuff like that so it's it's like really nice and there's a lot of freedom and and uh creative freedom and like you know it helps when there people know what you're yeah. gonna do basically vaguely so those have been great in the city um there are so many great like little shows that always pop up mm-hmm. um but like i mean my union hall has kind of been like historically my home base okay. in New York since i started here like it was the first place where i kind of i had uh, a show that I would do like quarterly for about a year and a half. Yeah. And I would just book people that I wanted to watch and hang out with. And mm-hmm. I would host and do like, you know, 10 minutes up top, 10 minutes at the end and right. like, book four comics and a musical guest. And those were all, those were really fun. And like, it was kind of the first cool place I got to perform. Like I very generously got a tiny guest spot, like a five minute spot on a, show on Eugene Merman's comedy festival there, like right after I'd moved. Yeah. And I did fine. I just like, didn't really have my sea legs for like those Brooklyn shows yet. And yeah. I'm still, I, um, just kind of like feeling relaxed and not feeling like you had to be too like presentational and like boom, boom, boom. All yeah. that things. And, uh, so that was like the first cool show I got to do. Like the first hip show I got to do in New York. Nice. And so I have like a lot of affection for that room and bell house they're like affiliated venues and okay. so like though and so I got to do a bunch of cool stuff there and uh did his festival there that I guess last year technically um and I like had to leave town for a work thing that, and uh I made sure that I stayed to do the festival and like oh, wow. left early early in the morning so I would make it to this thing on the west coast yeah. in time and uh could, just because it's like so much fun and such a great venue and like I like Eugene is like you know, one of the, my favorite comedians and like, uh, has always been so kind to me. So it was like, it's always, it's like such a warm, fuzzy feeling. And then the other place in the city, so those are my two in Brooklyn. Those are like my two favorite places. And QED is amazing in Astoria. Okay. It's like a newish venue. Mm-hmm. They've had, I guess two years, maybe between a year and two years. I don't, I think two years now. Okay. Just over. And, uh, that's great. And, um, you know, the, the Creek and the Cave is like they've been very generous to me, but like getting to perform in the comedy cellar is like really exciting and fun yeah. for me too. And that's new this year. Nice. Um, yeah. And that's like, like there are lots of great places to perform mm-hmm. in, you know, like, uh, for, in different purposes. Like I did when I was getting ready to go on tour, I did shows at the Creek where I had friends open, you know, do a couple minutes, you know, 10 minutes in the beginning. And then I just tried to do like a half hour of stuff that wasn't on the album just to be like, what's ready to go out on the road. Right. And it was, that was such a perfect place where I could get, it's a, you know, little black box. And so to have 10 people in there or 
eight people or <laughs> 25 people. Right. That's, like, perfect for what I wanted from that. And the weekend shows are really fun and packed out usually. But, like, to get to go to the cellar and, like, um, it just, like, the crowds there are so great. The staff is so great. And you get to watch the best comedians all the time. Right. Like, it's, it's cool to have a place where, like, being there at all is a big deal. Yeah. But I'm, like definitively a little fish there yeah which is cool because it like shows you how far you can grow right and like what's possible and and, and like what the gold standard is too. yeah like I, I i'm very excited to get to headline a little bit more on mm-hmm. the road and to like work more in the city uh, and there were a lot of i mean in new york you just see great people all the time but like you come back from the road where you're like oh man i'm i get to like headline this weekend and it went really well and uh, I felt great about the, you know, the 50 minutes I was doing and yeah. worked, got a couple new tags for this new bit. And I just feel, I feel like I'm really doing it. And then you go and you watch like David Tell <laughs> or you watch like uh, Nick Griffin or Michelle Wolf and you're just like, okay, I got to step my game <laughs> up. Like I'm not, I am, I'm not shit. <laughs> or like, I'm fine. Yeah. Like I, it's, it feels great to be able to like hang in that league. Yeah. But also to be like, okay, I can always be better and I can tighten up my jokes and I can have make sure that my punchlines are hitting that hard instead right. of like little laugh, little laugh, little laugh, little laugh. Like right. you want to be like make sure the laughs are coming quicker and they're coming bigger and you're doing more interesting, like specific stuff. And like, cause that's what the, st- I mean like, uh, I sat in the back, um, of, of uh, their Village Underground room and mm-hmm. their comic, just, like, watching Greer Barnes and just being like, man, he does so many things so well. Like, his writing is so good. Mm-hmm. His performance is so good. He does this, like, s- kind of a sound effect thing. Like, it's just such a rich performance that's so funny, and there's so... It works on so many different levels, and it's mm-hmm. so enjoyable to watch on so many different levels. Like, voices and characters and killer jokes and ideas, and you're just like, okay, like... That's a, like a five-tool player, right? Yeah. I think is the baseball expression. But that's like what you... It's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, and and you get to see that just like every night of the week. That's impressive. And, and because there are so many spots, because there's so many shows there, because the club is really thriving, I kind of get to be there more than I get to be at other clubs, even though I'm like a low guy on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. It's like there are just so many shows that I can do, you know, one or two spots a week most weeks. And it's like... Oh, awesome. Yeah. What a cool privilege to have. And um, I feel like I've, I'm very fortunate. I'm trying to, mm. I try to say fortunate instead of lucky. Okay. Because I feel like it wouldn't have happened without a lot of hard work and effort and, and getting, being capable at, at comedy. But also there are a lot of really great people that like, haven't had that opportunity right. or had that opportunity and for whatever reason outside their control it didn't go as well as it could have right so um that's i feel very like fortunate to be um to get to do that yeah yeah it's really it's lovely that's awesome thank you what are some things on the horizon that you're excited about oh man i'm excited to go back to work i've been off for like Almost two months now. Okay. And I'm excited to go back. I We didn't talk about this at all, which is <laughs> totally fine. Um, and I, you know, it's like, I can't speak on behalf of the show, but I write for Last Week Tonight with John Oliver so on HBO. So it's I'm excited to go back into the office next week. And nice. like start, yeah, just like doing, having a day job again. Right. I, I like routine and I like not traveling. I like coming home every night and like seeing... Maris and seeing busy and like sleeping in my own bed like oh that's another thing about apartment our bed is super comfortable <laughs> it's like such a good bed and uh, I just like I we we were staying in a hotel we stayed with my parents one night uh-huh. in Boston last week and then we were in, she came with me to Vermont we were like great weekend the shows were fun Andrew was there his wife was there it was so fun to hang out with them and hang out with Jonathan and um and we like just goofed around in the city and mm-hmm. did touristy things. and uh, But then we came home on Sunday and, like, I got into bed. I got home from my spots on Sunday night and got into bed and was like, oh, this is, like, this is home. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, we're both here. 
that the dog's here, it's our bed, and it yes. just feels like, ah, this is what being home feels like. So I'm excited to go back to work. I'm trying to do... But that's, like, the only thing that's set in stone. Okay. And that's where my, like, my focus and allegiances are, is, like, doing a good job at my job. Right. But I'm also trying to, like, hopefully write another book soon. Yeah. And take stand-up stuff to the next level, whatever that entails. Like, trying to, you know, maybe to do a new late-night spot this year. Or okay. to um, do a special of some kind. So those are, like, things that I'm working towards. Very but there's cool. nothing that I can point to and be like, look for me here. All right. Um, yeah. So it's, like, just doing the work yeah. is really exciting for me. Like, I this morning um, in, the, in the shower, I had, like, mm-hmm. an idea for a new joke. And I was like... Ooh, maybe this will work. And that to me is like the best. It's more, you know, it's like very exciting. I did Conan last year and that's very yeah. exciting. But like, it's, that's not a replicable thing all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm trying, I try to take pleasure in like the work itself right. and getting to go up and work out new stuff or getting to go up and like, you know, on a, on a show like The Cellar and go up after like murderers and just go <laughs> and like, try to hold my, you know, yeah. be like, okay, here's, and here's what I can do. And so that's the stuff that really, like, um, has been, as exciting for me going forward. It's just, like, doing it and improving and, uh, and I mean, like, my wedding, obviously, yeah. but it's like, I can't, that's hard to plug. <laughs> right. So everybody, I'm getting married in May. Um, yeah, so that'll be very exciting. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that you get this question often, but I'm still going to ask it. Mm-hmm. You have a reputation as one of like the nicest comedians. How do you feel about that reputation? And uh, in what ways do you find it true in your day-to-day? In what ways do you find it sure. not true? So I, I appreciate it. Um, I, think it's, I think people say it kindly, and I think they say it generously. Like, I, I've said this before, I think, but like, sometimes when you say a comedian is nice, <laughs> it's like saying someone you're setting your friend up with on a blind date with has a good person. Yeah. It's like the thing you say, cause you don't want to say the negative true thing of like, not an attractive person yeah. or like sweet guy doesn't really have an act. And I think people say it about me generously and yeah. I appreciate that. I also think, I mean, I'm pretty nice. I can, <laughs> uh, I wish I did more. Like I wish I, I am trying to find Cause I think niceness and goodness are different and I'm trying to be like a kinder more good person Mm -hmm. and I think I do a pretty good job in terms of like trying to help my friends out with opportunities and like treating people well and um and whatever clout or you know whatever meager clout or power I have professionally Mm -hmm. not using that uh maliciously or even like recklessly right right um even like tipping well when you're at a club on the road and yeah. like stuff like that and being being conscientious professionally and not abusing whatever privilege I have in the world but also like professionally um but I also think there are a lot of like really nice comedians and a lot of really good hearted and kind comedians mm-hmm. that are like um but I think people say it about me in part because like my act is nice yeah and it's like hard it's, I don't think, I think that's a distinguishing thing about me on stage more than it is a distinguishing thing about me off stage, right? Okay. Like, there are a lot of comedians who are, like, really good-hearted and charitable and invested in activism and good uh, people to their families, but, like, I, um, I, I feel like I have, like, there's a, I try to be warm and inviting on stage mm-hmm. in a way that, like, I don't know that that's necessarily a priority for a lot of right. comedians in their work. And I think, and not that everybody has to be like me. Like I love like a, a more aggressive or like a more obscure, uh, fantastical act too. Yeah. But like, I think that's like one of the things I bring to my work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why people say it about me is cause it's like, it's also a descriptor of, I am on stage like there's not a character that's um that lets me say more like abrasive stuff right um and I I think yeah I think that's a lot of what it is because even people who are like really filthy or really and people think that my act is cleaner than it is (laughs) yeah that happens a lot like I'll get off stage and people like man it's so great to see someone that that can 
do an hour without <laughs> swearing. And I was like, I probably use like eight F words, yeah. and, which like isn't F words. Okay, I just don't know what your vibe of the podcast is. But like, I I feel cleaner than I am. Or I'll, yeah. I'll have jokes about sex, but they're not like aggressive and they're not, they don't make people, um, they're not designed to make people uncomfortable. Right. So people like, um, I get a lot of credit that some of that is undeserved. <laughs> okay. Like it, there are people that work a lot cleaner. Yeah. Uh, even people that, whose jokes are probably like less, um, you know, that, that are like meaner, but Ooh. cleaner as well. Or like maybe more cynical, okay. but cleaner. But it's just like, I have this vibe where people are like, yeah, this like, man, what a clean hour you have. <laughs> and it's like, well, don't book me for your church. Yeah. Cause like, I think it, there, there's like a lot of stuff that I can't, do right that just like goes down easy yeah which i also take as a compliment but it's like okay all right uh well you know and i can do a clean hour yeah but it's like not people think i have done it when i haven't okay yeah got it nice and uh so we're coming up on the the end of the podcast Mm -hmm. and so i'm gonna ask you what i ask everyone and you can feel Mm -hmm. free to take your time with it What's something that either people don't know about you, mm-hmm. wouldn't expect about you, or like a secret that you haven't told anybody? That's good. I'm um, trying to get scoops. Yeah. Yeah. I love, that's a good question. What's people that I don't think people would know about me? Hmm. I already said the one thing, which I can elaborate on a little bit, is like I'm not a big animal person, mm-hmm. and I think people assume that I like love, because I love my dog, <laughs> and I have like this vibe of like someone who loves animals, but I'm not an animal lover and also not sold on the idea of having kids. Okay. Um, which I think people don't expect because I used to teach preschool right. and I'm great with kids Yeah. and I'm like very, um, like, you know, friendly to children and like, you know, friends, kids, I'm like good with, and, right. uh, cousins, kids or whatever, but I'm not like clamor. Everybody assumes like, oh, oh yeah. you're going to be such a great dad. And it's like, uh, well, do you know something I don't? Because, <laughs> like, that's not what... I'm not working on that. Yeah. And, uh, and so we we have, like, this, you know, maybe personal... I talk about it on stage, though. We're, like, not sold on the idea of having kids necessarily. Mm-hmm. And definitely... Like, almost definitely not biological kids. Yeah. So, like, there's no rush. Right. So, like, I think people assume a lot that we're getting married and we're going to have kids. Like, we kind of I talked about before... But that's not necessarily, like, the plan. Right. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So I think people is, that's something people assume but don't know. All right. Very cool. And any last words to listeners or thoughts on anything in general? Oh, gosh. Um, thank you for listening this far. <laughs> uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. And um, I guess uh, follow me on Twitter and at, at Josh Gondelman or, like, check out joshgondelman.com for tour dates and where to get my albums and the book I co-wrote and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, his Twitter is very funny. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.